Well, welcome to week one of our brand new series, A God Who Can. I'm so excited about this series, and that title alone should fire you up. It should encourage you. It should motivate you. It should give you hope today because we're discussing a God who can. When you can't, he can. When you won't, he will. When you don't have the answers, God always knows. We're discussing a God who can. All month long, we're going to be uncovering some of the Bible's most famous miraculous stories of a God who can. We're going to discuss a God who can stop the sun, a God who can save the sinner, and a God who can stop the storm. You see, we serve a God today in 2022, a God of miracles. When some people would say that miracles have ceased, when miracles have stopped, when miracles don't exist anymore, we know because of God's word and the truth of it, which we base our life on, our hope is in it, our passion is given to it because it tells us that we serve a God who can. He can perform miracles. And today, in our time, in our culture, in our generation, we have a lot of people who are in need of miracles. People are struggling. People are discouraged. People are feeling hopeless and helpless. People have hurts and habits and hang-ups and we've all got our stuff today. We're living in difficult times, in a difficult world, in a difficult season. But we serve a God who can. And so all month long, I want to encourage you and challenge you to dig in, to lean into this series, because I believe it's going to be a powerful, life-changing word from God. We're digging into this series as we lead up to Easter. We're just a few weeks away from Easter Sunday, and I want to tell you to prepare and plan to be with us on Easter, to pack the buses, load the minivans, bring everybody with you, because we're believing it's going to be an Easter and cultivate like no other. It's going to be an Easter of life change for people where their destinies and their eternities are changed forever. And this week as we begin this series, we're laying the groundwork to open the doors of our hearts, open the doors of our lives and our minds to receive and understand, to expect great miracles from a God who can. And we're not dreaming this up. We're not trying to do something on our own. We're not trying to paint a picture for God to fit into. No, we're taking God's word for what it says. Our key verse of scripture, our theme verse for the month, which this series is constructed on, comes out of Psalm chapter 77, verse 13 and 14, and here's what it says. What God is as great as our God? You're the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people's. What an incredible verse of scripture. It asks an important verse or, or question in this verse. It says, what God is as great as our God? What God could substitute for the creator of all of the world who gave us life and who brings purpose into our lives? And so I would say that for many of us today, that's an important question that we should be asking. What God is as great as our God? Because many of us have tried to substitute gods in our own lives to take place of the God of all of the universe, the creator of the world. We've put money, we've put power, we 
we've put possession, we've took position, and we've tried all of these things, relationships and substances, in order to create our own God, something that would make us happy, something that would provide purpose in our life, something that would give us meaning in our life, yet none of those gods that we can create on our own are a substitute for the God who performs miracles, for the God who takes His power and displays it amongst all of the people and all of the world. We're talking about the one true miracle-working God. And so today, that's what we're going to discover through a story that we've entitled your message today based off on who can split the sea, a God who can split the seas. And we're going to talk about the miracle of Moses and the Red Sea. It's one of the most famous miracles in all of the Bible. It's one of the most famous Bible stories. If you ever attended Sunday school as a kid, I grew up in church and we had Sunday school and we learned about this story in church. Chances are, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this story before. But maybe you've never heard this story. Maybe you've never spent time in church and you don't know about the miracle at the Red Sea. Well, a little boy tried to explain this story to his mom. He had gone to church on a Sunday and when they got home his mom said what did you learn at church today and he said oh mom he said you won't believe this story we learned about the miracle of Moses and the Red Sea mom he split open the entire sea and she said wow that sounds exciting she said I would love to hear about it tell me the story and he said, well, Moses was leading uh, the, the children of Israel, and he was leading them out of slavery, and they got to uh, a Red Sea in front of them, and there was mountains around them, and, and the army was coming behind them, the army of Egypt. And he said that because they were stuck, he said they needed a way across to freedom, so they built a pontoon bridge across the sea. And then once the bridge was completed, all of the people got on the bridge and they crossed over to safety. And then when the Egyptians, the, the army, uh, the, the enemy got on the bridge and started crossing over, Moses called for an airstrike and military planes came by and began bombing the bridge until it destroyed all of the enemy. And then Moses and the people were safe. And his mom said, wow, that's an exciting story. Is that really how the teacher taught you? And he said, well, no, not really. But if I told you the way she told it, you'd never believe it. And really, that's true. When you think about the miracle of the Red Sea, it's hard to believe. It's really hard to believe it actually happened. As a matter of fact, there are people today in our time and in our culture that tries to explain away the miracle of the Red Sea. However, we know that our God is a God who performs miracles and displays His power amongst the people. If you don't know this story or to catch you up, it was the children of Israel, the Israelites, God's people, who were living in slavery in Egypt. And they were so uh, discouraged and they were so tired and they were so over a life of slavery, they began to cry out to God, to beg God and plead God to set them free. And because of God's miracle-working power, He selected Moses, a man, to lead them. He performed ten miracles to the leader of Egypt to convince him to let the children of Israel go to freedom. So these ten plagues took place, and you can read that in the book of Exodus. And the, the leader of, e of Egypt, the authority, said, I, all right, you guys can go. Freedom, just go. I don't need God pushing on me anymore. So he let them go. So on foot, they all begin to walk into freedom. They begin their journey into freedom, into the 
perfect place that God had prepared for them. Yet along the way, the leader of Egypt, the authority said, what have I done? I can't believe I've let all these people go. We had them in slavery. Go back, capture them, and bring them back. And as these people are traveling into freedom, as the boy told, they do find themselves in a place where they are facing a Red Sea that is in front of them. It's very wide, it's very deep, and there seems to be no way across. Surrounding them on each side are mountains, and behind them is now the army of Egypt come to destroy them. They find themselves completely stuck. And it's in this moment they understand that they don't have the ability to do it on their own. And the same God that they had prayed to and requested a miracle to set them free is the same God that's going to show up right here in this circumstance. God does it in a very unordinary way. As a matter of fact, you could say it's a very miraculous way. That's often the way God operates in the unordinary and in the miraculous. God speaks to Moses, the leader. He says, you go out there. He says, you take your rod, your staff. He said, you wave it across the water and watch the water split and as the Bible tells us Moses does that the water splits they walk across on dry ground it wasn't muddy it wasn't wet it was easily able to be walked on because God provided a way all of Israel walk across this uh, divided water on dry ground the Egyptians try to do the same thing and the Bible says as soon as they get in the middle of the walls of this water God closed it up and they all were destroyed and God saved them in such a miraculous way now today you may say oh well, that sounds crazy that doesn't even sound possible well I want to challenge you in your thought process even before we begin this message today what God is as powerful as our God maybe your God today that you've constructed in your mind the God that you picture or that you imagine or that you've traced or maybe even you've served isn't the one true powerful God of the Bible, the one who performs miracles and the one who displays his power amongst his people. That's the one that I want to talk about and introduce you to today, a God who can split the sea. And so today we're going to learn three areas of our life where we need God to split the sea. Three areas of your life, three seasons that you may find yourself in, three uh, feelings that you may feel when you need God to show up and to perform a miracle. And in these areas of your life, they reflect where the children of Israel are in this moment of crisis, in this moment of danger, in this moment of uncertainty, in need of a miracle. We're going to see their response how we reflect their response, and how to find a miracle in the middle of it. So let's pray and ask God's blessing over his word today. Father, I love you. I thank you for this moment. I pray over our time together in the word that you would encourage us and motivate us today to see the miracle working power of Jesus in our lives. Speak to us through your word today as we discover a God who can. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to give you three areas, three places that you need to look for a miracle. And number one, you need to look for a miracle in your detour. Look for a miracle in your detour. You see, the children of Israel had been in slavery. They prayed to God. God has set them free. God's sending them to what the Bible calls the promised land, the best place that they could possibly be, a place of freedom, a place of success, a place of enjoyment. And on the way, 
they find themselves receiving or experiencing a detour. Look at what the Bible says, Exodus 13, verse 17 and 18. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. You see, the Israelites have found themselves on a detour. Notice that the Bible says that when they were let go, when they were set free, God did not lead them on the main road, even though that was the shortest path. The best, the easiest, the most convenient, the shortest route was on the main road. Yet it was God who put them on the detour. God sent them a different way. God did not send them the way that they would have chosen. God did not send them in the way that they wanted to go. Why? Because he was afraid that they may change their minds and return back to slavery. You see, God understood something that they could not understand. God saw something that they could not see. It's like traveling on any road when you experience a detour. You see the police have the road closed. You see construction has closed the road. You see signs that divert you. Cones are in the road or barrels are in the road. There is something that is taking you from the main road onto a detour because someone knows that the road is out. Someone knows construction is happening. Someone knows that danger is ahead. And it's not in your best interest for you to continue to travel on the main road, even though that would be our desire. Just a few weeks back, I was traveling to speak at a, at a church somewhere out of state and I had anticipated what my journey was going to look like. I had anticipated how much time it would take me and what the road would look like, what my travel would be like. And so I anticipated interstate, multiple lanes, a high rate of speed, convenience of passing cars. I anticipated there to be gas stations in case I needed fuel or a snack. I anticipated there to be restaurants or at least fast food so I could get something to eat when I was hungry. Yet on my way, I discovered that I was actually led to a two-lane road where there were no gas stations, where there were no restaurants, where there were no places to stop, where actually Actually, there was no cell phone signal in case I needed a little extra help. I found myself on a detour. However, here's what I need us to know, is that your detour does not disregard your destination. Many of us feel like because our life has found a detour, because we're on a different road than we anticipated to travel, because it's not as convenient, because it's not as comfortable, because it's not what we expected, we feel as though we're going to change or rearrange or find ourselves at a different destination. However, just because God has you on a detour, it does not mean He has disregarded your destination. God knew something about their life. He knew what was best for them. He knew that if they found danger and they walked into difficulty right from the start that they may return. So God sent them a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Now here's what I want you to know. 
that roundabout way, that wilderness journey, the Red Sea, God had already known exactly what was ahead. God knew what they were going to face. God knew what they were going to experience. Listen to me today. God may have you on a detour. You may be on the roundabout way. You may be walking through the wilderness. You may be facing a Red Sea, but God already knows. He understands exactly where you are. I love that the Bible says that the Israelites, they, they walked out like an army ready for battle. We've got this. We're on the road. We're going now to freedom. We've got it like we like it. You see, they had determined or anticipated what the journey was going to be. So how do you handle these detours that life brings you? Well, there's three things that I want you to write that are extra that I want you to know about detours. The first is this, is that God is the one who decides. God's the one who decides. He decides your journey. He decides your destination. He decides how you're going to experience it. He, de he decides what the, the scenery is going to be. God decides what's on the radio as you travel. God decides what movie's playing in the back seat. God decides when you're going to stop and when you're going to go. God is already in charge because the Bible says God finally let the people go. God let the people go. God sent them on the right path. God determined the destination in which they were headed to. God decides everything. Everything about your life that you're questioning, God already knows. He understands it all. He's working on your behalf. He wants what's best for you. God decides. Another thing I want you to understand is that God is the one who directs. God directs. When you're traveling on the main road and everything seems to be good and then all of a sudden you find yourself on a detour, all of a sudden you feel like there has been something that has taken you from your purpose, something that has taken you from your destiny, something that has taken you from your plan. You see, God is the one who decides and God is the one who directs. God is the GPS. See, on that road that I was telling you that I ended up on that two-lane road and I lost cell phone signal, you see, at that point, I had nothing to direct me. I had nothing to assist me. All I had was the detour in which I was told to take. I had to trust the detour. I had to trust that that detour was still going to lead me to my destination. You see, someone who had directed me knew that that road would lead me to my desired destination. I just had to learn to trust the detour. In your life, you have to know that God is the one who decides and God is the one who directs. Trust the detours of your life. And the third thing I would tell you is that God discerns. God discerns. Discernment is the ability to see something and to understand something that maybe no one else can. There's that feeling. There's that intuition. There's that uh, gut feeling that says something's not right or this is the way I need to go or I need to trust this. Or Listen, God can give you discernment. God is the one who discerns because, see, God knew that had they faced danger, God knew, the Bible says, that they might change their mind. God didn't want them to change their mind. God wanted them to go to the, the, the final destination more than they did. God wanted them to experience this perfect place. God, even though he didn't take them on the shortest route, even though God didn't lead them on the main road, God wanted them to arrive at the promised land even more than they did. 
which is why God took them from the main road and he put them on a detour because he knew that along the way what they experienced might make them change their mind. You see, God designs detours for your good. Some of the detours that you've experienced you thought are punishment. You thought it's because God didn't love you as much as everybody else. You thought it's because God had forgotten you. No, the reality is God designs the detours in our life for our good. So look for the miracles in your detour. Number two, this is important. Look for the detours in your disappointment. Look for detours in the middle or in the midst of your disappointment. Because oftentimes when you find yourself on a detour, the first thing we decide to do, the first feeling that we get, the first emotion that sweeps over us often is that feeling of disappointment. And God does not want you to see the disappointment over the destination. You see, God works miracles, not only in the detour, but God works miracles right in the middle of your disappointment. Look at what happens in the Bible in Exodus chapter 14. Verses 10 through 12, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. That's important. If you can, underline that word somewhere, panicked. When they saw the Egyptians, underline that, when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. I'm going to read it again. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Take a look at what happened as soon as they embraced or experienced disappointment. How did they find themselves disappointed? Because on the detour, the enemy had caught up with them. On the detour, they found themselves in a little bit of danger. It wasn't comfortable and it wasn't convenient. But notice what took place right here. I had you underline it. It said as Pharaoh approached, this is the leader of Egypt, the leader of the enemy, the people of Israel, they looked up and they panicked. Why did they panic? Because the Bible says they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. You see, they looked up and they panicked because their eyes saw the enemy instead of seeing the one who brings victory over the enemy. You see, when they looked up, their eyes saw the danger. It saw the problem instead of the power that was greater than the problem. You see, they saw the presence of the enemy more than they saw the presence of God. That's when you and I face discouragement in our life, when your problems become bigger than his power, when the presence of your circumstance become greater than the presence of Jesus, you and I will face disappointment in our life. They felt like they were about to die. They began grumbling and they began complaining because their disappointment led them down a road that God never intended for them to go. You have to remember, these people had just miraculously been freed from slavery. They had prayed to God. God performed miracles, gave them ten incredible miracles that set them free from Egypt. And now they find themselves in another bad situation. And if saying, I know God can, he's a God who can, they look at themselves and say, God, God, why did you? Disappointment. You know, there's really three main causes for disappointment in most of our lives. Most of us are disappointed by our stuff. 
See, we chase stuff. We chase as much as we can acquire, as much as we can get. We chase the, the, the power. We chase prestige. We, we chase position. All the things that we do to occupy for ourselves, only to find ourselves that we're disappointed. Our circumstances that are around us. Often we're times we're discouraged by what we see. See, all we can see is what's in front of us. Sometimes we make our problems so much bigger than God's power that that's all that we can see. We have only what's in front. We have nearsighted vision. It's only what's right in front of our face. And our circumstances are enough to discourage us. And then there's people. People are enough to discourage us. Because we look at the relationships we have and what people has done and what people can do and what we can't do and we start to, we start to let ourselves seep into deep discouragement. We all face it in different ways. There's not one of us that hasn't faced discouragement in some way of our life. There was a little boy who had a pet turtle and uh, one day he walked into where his mom was in the house and he's crying and he tells his mom, he says, my turtle, my turtle has died. And she looks at him so sad. She said, I'm so sorry about your turtle. She said, look, here's what we're going to do. She said, we're going to wrap him up real nice. And she said, we're going to put him in a nice shoebox. We're going to take him outside. And we're going to have a nice funeral and a nice burial for your turtle. And she said, then we're going to leave here and we're going to go get some ice cream. And we're going to go by the pet store and we're going to get you a brand new pet. And suddenly the boy's very encouraged. He's very excited. He begins to smile and he says, Mom, that sounds great. He says, I'm going to go get ready. And he turns around to leave the room and she says, Wait a second. She said, Your turtle's not dead. She said, He was asleep. He's, he's moving. And the little boy suddenly gets sad again. And he looks at his mom and he says, Oh, well, can I kill it? You see the discouragement. You see, the depression was more so because the turtle had lived. You see, suddenly all the things that had changed, it sounded like getting the ice cream and getting a new pet was more exciting than his turtle living. You see, sometimes we ask things from God. We think we want something only to get a different result and our emotions change and our discouragement can follow the uh, um, emotional roller coaster ride of it all. But look, in the middle of discouragement, God, God performs miracles. Listen, don't let your disappointment lead you to your discouragement. Because discouragement will lead you to double vision. This is important. Don't let your discouragement lead you, or your disappointments lead you to discouragement, because discouragement leads you to double vision. See, notice what happened when they saw the Egyptians, when they saw Pharaoh, when they saw the Red Sea, and they saw what looked like the end, everything began to change. You see, at one point, they were worshiping God. They were praising God. They were excited about God because He had set them free and He had let them go. But suddenly, when they took their eyes off of God, when they took their eyes off of the power of God and the presence of God and the potential of God, suddenly they've got double vision because they're not just seeing God, they're also seeing the enemy. Notice what they began to say when they got double vision. They said things like this, what have you done? Hey Moses, what have you done? Sure, we asked you. Sure, we begged you for a miracle to get out of Egypt. Sure, you boldly went before Pharaoh. Sure, you uh, boldly uh, helped us get out of our situation. But yet here we are on a detour, and here we are disappointed by our uh, situation. What have you done? Why did you? Said, Moses, why did you? What have you done? 
And why did you? And then they say, didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you what was going to happen? Look at that verse we just read, that little passage. Didn't we tell you that all of this was going to take place? And then they said, we said, leave us, let us. These are all words that came from the mouths of the children of Israel who should be walking and experiencing and embracing the miracles of a God who can. Yet they let their detour and they've let their disappointment lead them to double vision. What do you do when you're in the midst of discouragement or disappointment? I'm going to give you three things to, to defeat your disappointment. The first is this, is you need to check your focus. Check your focus. Don't focus on Egypt. Don't focus on what's in front of you. You focus on the God who can. Check your faith. Don't rely on the natural. Rely on the supernatural. You see, the Israelites did not find the freedom that they have found naturally. They found it supernaturally. So why do they anticipate the circumstance they're in to rely on the natural when they already know it relies on the supernatural? Today, don't let your circumstance rely in the natural. Don't let your hope sit in the natural. Don't let your faith sit in the natural. You look toward the supernatural. And the third thing I would tell you is to check the facts. Check your facts. Look, look at what God has already done. Had they stopped right there and recounted what God has already done, they would not discourage or disappoint about what God is about to do. You see, their faith would be high if they remembered, hey, we were slaves not long ago. We were praying for a miracle. God showed up. And so that same God will show up today. Look, look for miracles. Find the miracles in a God who can in the middle of your detours, in the middle of your disappointment. And then number three, look for miracles in your deliverance. In your deliverance. Verse 23, Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power of the Lord, he had unleashed against the Egyptians. They were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. You see, this is the amazing part of this story. You see, at this moment, Moses had been with God. While the people were discouraged, while the people were down and out, Moses got with God and God said, get up, get moving. He said, you go out there to that Red Sea. He said, you wave your staff over the water and you watch it part. God parted the waters. He hardened the ground. All of Israel began to take the journey across the Red Sea with the walls of water divided. They walked to safety. And then as soon as... The enemy begins to take the same journey that the other people were taking. God said, no, God began to do all of these things that we just discussed. You see, God showed up and the Bible says that he threw their forces into total confusion. Israel didn't do it. God threw them into total confusion. He, God, twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. You see, the people then began to understand the Lord is fighting for them. They didn't shout and say, wow, these Israelites are amazing. 
the Israelites, they've got it all together. The Israelites are performing miracles. They said, no, the Lord is fighting for them. The Lord is doing this. They saw the power that the Lord had unleashed the Egyptians. And because of that, the Bible says that Israel put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. You need to understand that God proceeds wherever he leads. That's a powerful statement. God proceeds wherever he leads. In other words, God is already there. If God's taken you on a, de a detour, if you're walking through a little disappointment, you need to understand that God is already there because God works miracles in the deliverance. He sees it from point A all the way to point B. If God sends you to it, I love this statement, he will bring you through it. You remember that statement? If God leads you to it, God will lead you through it. God provides wherever he guides. God provides wherever he guides. If God is sending you there, if you're experiencing it, look, in every stage, God is performing miracles. He is a God who can split the seas. If God can deliver you from eternal sin, he can deliver you from your earthly situations. Think about that. There's no situation on this earth that you're facing that is too big for a God who has already solved our eternal problem. You see, God sent His Son Jesus to overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave. He has already overcome our eternity. So there's nothing on earth that He can't overcome for you and for me. Three things to remember. That the miracle of God is working in your deliverance. You need to know that God is your source. God is your, is your source. Nothing else. It's not, in, it's not in your abilities. It's not in your experience. It's not in your stuff. God is your source. And if God is the source, then you need to understand that God is the supply. God is the supply. If he's the source of it, he's going to supply you everything you need for your deliverance. Your miracle is on the way. And because he is our source and our supply, that means God is our safety. It means that everything that we need to be provided to protect us and to help us and to motivate us and to encourage us and to correct us, to lead us, to guide us, to grow us, God has it all. He's our source. He's our supply. And he is our safety. These people walked literally in miracle after miracle. Why? Because he's a God who can. Today, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, maybe you found yourself in the middle of a detour. And you're saying, I don't know how I got here. God, how did I get lost in this? God, why am I off on this two-lane road and there is no GPS? Well, be encouraged today. God is the GPS God already knew where he was going to lead you. That detour is for your good. God works miracles in your detour. Maybe your disappointment today. Maybe you feel like these people that have been freed from Israel, and they're going, God, why did you? Didn't we say it would be better this way? Didn't we have a better plan? Didn't we have a better script? God, why? God, how could you? Maybe you feel like that. Look, in your disappointment, God is working miracles. And then some of us are on the midst of our, we're on the midst of our deliverance. We're on the other side of it. Maybe you're walking in it, and it was a good reminder for you to remember who God is. Listen, God works in every stage of our life. Why? Because He's a God who can. There is no other God that can display their power or its power like our God. 
who works miracles. And today, I want you to experience this God, miracle-working God, a God who can. I want you to experience it in your life. So right where you are, maybe just bow your head, close your eyes, and I want to pray for you. Maybe you're watching or listening today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and this day is your moment, your opportunity to say yes to Him. You need a God who can come along beside you and walk with you and perform miracles in your life. There's no sin greater than the miracle-working power of Jesus. There's no regret. There's no yesterday. There's no situation or circumstance that's greater than the God who can. And so today, I want to pray that you could say yes to Jesus. There may be some of us watching or listening today and you're just dealing with a lot of stuff and you found yourself in that detour or that discouragement. Maybe you're walking toward your deliverance and you need a miracle from God today. And today I want you to be reminded He's a God who can and He's a God who works for you. So Jesus, today I pray for all my friends online. I pray right now, God, that you would just speak to every single person watching or listening. God, I pray if there's one of us that does not have a personal relationship with you, that today we would be set free from our sin. Jesus, we know we've messed up, we've done it our own way, and we need you. So we're asking your forgiveness of our sin today. God, thank you for forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for what you've done so we can have relationship with you today. And God, I pray for every person, no matter what season that they're in today, I pray that they would know that you're a God who can. God, take the journey with them. God, I pray that you perform miracles within their life. God, I pray for encouragement. I pray for hope. I pray that we remember who you are. So even through the deliverance stage, God, we know you're there and we know you're working miracles. God, if you lead us, God, if you take us, God, you will provide for us today. And so we believe it, we stand on it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.